If you could go to heaven and then come back, do you think you could describe the things you saw? Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. I'm your host, Steve Schwetz. Today, as we travel through 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we hear Paul talk about a man who was caught up into the third heaven and returned to tell about it. It's a fascinating study, and I know you're going to love it. But first, here's a quick message by Dr. McGee to encourage you to share your story. The Bible bus is now rolling through the month of May. This is letter month. This is the month of flowers. And the bus has garlands of flowers on it now. And we'll have for this month, and we do hope that we get a flower from you, that is, that we get a letter from you. This is letter month, and we depend upon this letter month to put us on a launching pad that will give us a thrust to go right through the good old summertime with all of our foreign broadcasts. We're concerned about them. We don't want to give one of them up because everywhere we're going, the reception has been unbelievable. We do love hearing your stories and knowing that you're praying for our fellow listeners around the world, like this one in Serbia. I'm 25 years old, and Through the Bible helps me in my everyday life. The situation in our country is very bad. I'm often sad because of poor economics and other things in our homeland. But the spiritual state of our people concerns and worries me even more. Young people are only focused on enjoying themselves. God does not interest them at all. Older people are often depressed without joy and hope. My prayer is that God will be merciful to our people. I want to see many more acknowledge Jesus as their Savior. I pray the number of listeners in our country grows significantly and God will be praised. And then here's a note. This is from a small church in Bulgaria. I would like to thank you for your generosity and kindness in sharing your programs. In a small village like ours, it is our main tool for building up the faith. Our people love your plain and simple explanations and hang on every word. We always pray for you. Please remember us. And then here's an email. This is from a listener of our Czech language programs. While searching for the truth, I found great inspiration in books by Corey Ten Boom. Amongst them, there was a little booklet published with your information inside. That's when I started listening. I am so very thankful for your programs. Anytime I am free, I can visit the archive and listen to Through the Bible. Everything I hear is a blessing to me as I received the Lord into my heart just three years ago, and there is so much more to learn. Please continue to share God's Word. And then our last note comes from Lithuania. I've listened since very beginning of your broadcasts in our country several years ago. I found that these programs are available on the Internet so that I can download them to my computer and re-listen to them. I worked many days to download them all, so I would have all of them and could listen whenever I wanted to. I was a new believer then, and it was so helpful for my growth. Well, isn't that wonderful? If you'd like to pray alongside us as we travel the world on our knees, praying for listeners like these and so many more, sign up for our world prayer team today at ttb.org forward slash pray. And then don't forget that we'd like for you to share your story as well. So write to us at Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. In Canada, you can write to Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Or if you prefer to call us, you can do it by calling 1-800-65-BIBLE. And if you want a really easy way, just go email us at BibleBus at ttb.org. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word that changes lives around the world, including our own. 
And as it goes out today, Lord, we pray that you may bring many more into a saving relationship with your son, Jesus, and grow us up in Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. Now let's open to 2 Corinthians 12 and study with Dr. J. Vernon McGee on Through the Bible. Now today, friends, we come to this remarkable 12th chapter of 2 Corinthians. Now, we've had a great deal in our day about space travel, and a great deal is said about it. Men, now have been to the moon. <laughs> but actually, let me say this, that so far, there hasn't been very much space travel. Did you know that it's a long distance in my book to the moon, but when you begin to measure from here out even to Mars or any of the other planets, the distance to the moon isn't very far. And when you begin to measure that distance to our neighboring star of Andromeda, the galaxy that's way out there in space, then, friends, you just have to say that man hadn't been very far yet. But the very interesting thing is the Bible has the record of three men who journeyed into outer space, and they returned. And none of them were in the Old Testament. Now, I know somebody's going to say, what about Enoch and Elijah? I do not think they were caught up to heaven. The Lord Jesus said, no man has ascended into heaven. Now, that was in the Old Testament. And somebody is going to say, well, I thought Elijah was caught up to heaven, but after all, there are three heavens. He was caught up into the airspaces. Now, up to the time Jesus made that statement, possibly no one had been in outer space. Now, Jesus is, of course, the one exception. He said, the Son of Man came down from heaven. But we have then two others. John on the Isle of Patmos. You recall that he tells us about a trip that he made. He was caught up into heaven. And that, I take it, was the third heaven where the throne of God is. He says, after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I'll show thee things which must be hereafter. Now that's Revelation 4.1. John was caught up, and now Paul, and the record is here in this chapter, and therefore there a three men that have been able to report from heaven. One is the Lord Jesus, but he is God manifest in the flesh. And actually, he said very little about it. And he said probably more than anyone else had said, but he said very little. And John doesn't have too much to say about it. And Paul here, he doesn't have anything to say about it. Now, let's look at this, because Paul is telling something here that he ordinarily would not have told at all. He tells about a trip he made into outer space. Now, will you listen to it? He says, it is not expedient for me, doubtless, to glory. Now, you remember, we saw in the last chapter, he told about what he had endured. And a very interesting thing, the Spirit of God permitted him to write that down. And to write that down so... I think no man would be able to say today, I've endured more than Paul the Apostle. And some of us haven't endured very much for him. I think today we actually ought to be a little careful about singing certain songs. For instance, this song, Jesus, 
I, my cross, have taken all to leave and follow thee, naked, poor, despised, forsaken, thou from hence my all shall be. <laughs> and I heard a so-called converted Hollywood star sing that. Well, I want to tell you, that party hadn't given up very much, and I think it's hypocritical to sing that. I don't sing anyway, but that's one song I would not nor could I sing. I think that I'd like to sing this one if I could. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? It's the Lord Jesus that needs to be glorified. Now, let me put this down as a norm today. And many of you folk listen to testimonies from men and women that tell about their conversion. Generally, you hear of remarkable ones because we just don't tell about the ordinary one. But the thing that I note in these testimonies is what place does Jesus occupy? I listened to one the other day, and all the fellow had to say was what had happened to him, that he was a sinner. And honestly, he had very little to say about the Lord Jesus. You wondered whether he really needed him or not. By the time he got through, may I say to you, I did not feel that the Lord Jesus got any praise or glory in that testimony at all. Paul here tells about how he suffered for Christ's sake. Now he says, I glory in these things that's happened to me. But he said, I could tell you also about visions and revelations. He says, I'll come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Now, the Lord had appeared to him. But have you ever noticed that Paul has very little to say about those personal appearances? Now, here is one, but then he still doesn't tell us what actually transpired. He says, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth such and one caught up to the third heaven. Now, what is the third heaven? Well, the airspace is above us. The Lord Jesus spoke of the birds of the heaven. Well, that's the airspaces. They can't fly beyond it. And then there are the stars of heaven. They are out beyond the atmosphere. And then there's the third heaven where the throne of God is. And that's how ridiculous it was when that Sputnik that the Russians put up the first time, they said that they'd been out there on the other side of the moon and it didn't see God. Well, they didn't go far enough, friends. They'd have to go much farther than that. The third heaven. Now, Paul, speaking of his own experience, now, could we date that? Well, he says it happened 14 years before he wrote this epistle. That actually would put it approximately at the time that he made his first missionary journey. And we are told on that first missionary journey that he came to Lystra, yonder in the Galatian country. And I read now, Acts 14, 19, and there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Well, was he? I don't think they would have left him unless they were pretty sure he was dead. And God raised him from the dead. 
Now, Paul was rather uncertain whether this was a vision or whether at that time he was caught up in reality, and he is describing his own experience, which I think is quite evident. He says, and I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God know it. Now, was he slain and caught up? Actually, Paul could not tell you that. Or whether he was just knocked unconscious, he had this vision. And Paul's not dogmatic about it. Maybe we shouldn't be. But I have a notion God raised him from the dead. The result was the same. He saw the third heaven. Now, what was his report? Well, if a man had written this, we'd have several volumes of ponderous tomes on this. I tell you, he would have given quite a series of messages on it. And the very interesting thing is the man that went over the wall in a basket is also the man caught up to the third heaven. Now he says here how that he was caught up into paradise, and he heard unspeakable words which it's not lawful for a man to utter. There's no report. As someone has said, man having said so much could not have said so little. Having mentioned this much, he should have gone on. There's no description. There's no chamber of commerce description of it. No promotion, no sales talk, no details, no display, no hero worship of man. What he says here, of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. Now, Paul says, I tell you about my infirmities, but I'm not going to tell you what I saw in the third heaven. Why? Well, because he's told not to. He's told that he's not to speak of this. He says, for though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. It's the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, I think many times Satan tries to move some of us from the earthly scene. He wants to get rid of us, and he uses, I think, sickness, disease, our thorn in the flesh. Now, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? And I want to let you in on something today. I think I can give you now a little secret information. I hope you will not divulge this to anyone because this is sort of secret between us, and I wouldn't want the word to get out, and it's this. I don't know. (laughs) May I say to you, I don't know what he saw up there, And I don't know what his thorn in the flesh is. And an old Scotch commentator, he said that he had a wife, and that was his thorn in the flesh. And I bet that old Scott was having trouble at home. I don't think it was that at all. Paul wrote so lovingly of womanhood that very candidly, I think that he had been married, but he was a widower at this time, and he would not marry because he didn't want to subject any woman to these hardships that he had gone through. The very interesting thing here, God put a zipper on the mouth of Paul and silenced him. He just didn't tell you about this. He's quiet. He's silent. Someone has said that 
The reason a dog has so many friends is because he wags his tail instead of his tongue. And I'm afraid that a great many of us would have wagged our tongue had we been caught up to the third heaven. Now he's given this thorn in the flesh. Why? Well, that was to keep him humble. That was to keep him from exalting himself above measure, having had the vision that he had had. And he says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. Now, I have a notion it was blindness, but I can't prove that. When we get to the Galatians, I'll attempt to enlarge upon it. But I'm of the opinion that it was blindness. And Paul says, I went to the Lord three times about it, and I asked him to remove the thorn in my flesh. And finally, the Lord said to him the third time, he says, I heard you the first time, Paul, and I answered your prayer. I said, no. And that's the thing about most of us is we keep asking the Lord for something, and he's already said no. And he said no to Paul. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for thee. I'll not remove the thorn, but I'm going to give you grace to bear the thorn. And that's the wonderful thing about it all. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And in other words, it was obvious when Paul went around, he was so physically weak that it was the Spirit of God leading this man. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Paul says, I glory in infirmities and not the fact that I've had a vision. And you might turn that over in your mind the next time you hear somebody telling you about a great vision that they've had of the Lord. The chances are they need a zipper put on their mouth. And the chances are they had no vision at all. They just ate something they shouldn't have had for dinner the night before. Now Paul says, Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. And what a contrast you have between this man and Samson. The Spirit of God came upon Samson. He was strong, you see. People marvel at his physical strength. But there came a day when he's very weak. The strong are weak, but the weak are made strong, and God can use the weak man. Now he says, I am become a fool in glory. Notice how he elaborates on this. He's apologized a dozen times already. He says, I'm become a fool in glory. You've compelled me, for I ought to have been commended of you. For in nothing am I behind the very chiefest apostles, though I be nothing. Paul considered himself the least, but he says, I'm not behind even the chiefest of the apostles. And somebody should have defended him, but apparently no one did. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. Now, may I say this? I recognize this is not too popular today, but somebody needs to say it. There were certain signs of an apostle, and only the apostles had it. And apparently, it was to heal the sick, raise the dead, and to talk in tongues. And I don't mean an unknown tongue, but Paul went through the Galatian country, and there must have been 50 dialects 
and languages in that area. Paul could speak them all. Why? He'd studied them? No. He was not a member of the Wycliffe Bible translators. Now today, God says that the gospel has to go out by human beings. Now in that early day, it was necessary to get it out into the Roman Empire in a hurry. And these apostles had the signs of an apostle. Now they were wrought among you. Now signs of an apostle will end with the apostle. And I hope that's understood. Somebody will write me and say, how do you know tongues have ended? Well, because the apostles are gone. You show me an apostle today, and I believe in your sign gift. But the sign gifts belong to apostles. Notice he emphasizes, was wrought among you in all patience, in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. For what is it wherein you were inferior to other churches? Except it be that I myself was not burdensome to you. Forgive me this wrong. Behold, the third time I'm ready to come to you, and I'll not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours, but you. He was after them. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. And this is something that is a rule that's being broken today. The parents for the children. And I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. Paul says, the more I love you, the less I'm loved in return. But be it so, I did not burden you. Nevertheless, being crafty, I caught you with guile. Oh, notice this man. He says, I wasn't after what you got. I was after you. And I wanted to win you for Christ. And isn't that what the Lord Jesus had told his apostles? He says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of man. And he didn't say that every fish you caught would have a gold piece in its mouth. He said, I'm making you fishers of man. The emphasis should be upon that and how important that is. Now, this is a very wonderful section that we've come through here. And Paul accepted the thorn and God sealed his lips. Why? Heaven's too wonderful to contemplate. Get your eyes off of that type of thing. And fix your eyes today upon a lost world. Heaven's a wonderful place, but very little is said about it in the Word of God. And it's going to be so wonderful that you couldn't describe it in human language. But my friend, today, we ought to try to get folk who want to go there. Now, not because of the place, because I can't tell you much about it, but I can tell you about the person who is there. And that person is the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you fix your eyes on him, oh, how this epistle has emphasized that. Beholding him, we are going to grow. And beholding the glory of the Lord, we need to behold him. And friends, as we do, it's going to make the pilgrim journey through this world a great deal easier today. The sun won't be as hot. The burning sands of the desert won't be as bad. And the storms of life will not be as bad if we keep our eye fixed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. You know, Dr. McGee is right. This is a wonderful section of Scripture. If you know someone who'd like to study with us, why don't you direct them to ttb.org forward slash listen. 
or to find out about our Bible Bus flash drive that's got Dr. McGee's entire library of messages in this five-year study, just call 1-800-65-BIBLE or go to our online store at ttb.org. And while you're there at ttb.org, take a quick detour through our resources section. There you're going to find so many great Bible study helps that will direct you deeper into God's Word yourself. So from our archives of our newsletter to more than a 100 of Dr. McGee's free digital booklets to our digital book, Briefing the Bible, that contains all of Dr. McGee's notes and outlines, including those from our upcoming study in Esther, to our terrific Bible companions and more. There really is something for everyone there. Be sure to check it out. And there isn't time to mention it all. So, again, just go to ttb.org when you got a minute. You'll be glad that you did. Now, any business that sells products knows that having a correct count of their inventory is critical for maintaining the flow of sales as products are purchased and shipped. Well, in a similar way, believers should examine themselves and take a personal inventory of their faith. And that's what we learn next time in our final study in the book of 2 Corinthians. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll be here saving a seat on the Bible bus just for you. Today's study with Dr. J. Vernon McGee is brought to you by Through the Bible, and it's made possible by the generous prayer and financial investments from listeners like you on the Bible bus all around the world.